Welcome to Healing at the Speed of Light. Every week, we discuss how laser therapy is changing healthcare and how you can benefit. Now, here is your host and founder of Laser Therapy Institute, Dr. Jason Roundtree. All right, welcome back again to another episode of Healing at the Speed of Light, your weekly laser therapy podcast. My name is Dr. Jason Roundtree, and I'll be your host, but I have a special guest on the show today. Uh, this is Dr. Agnieszka Klucci. We've actually had her on the show before to talk about acute conditions and laser therapy. And uh, today we've got her back on to talk about post-surgical pain, the, the problems that can happen um, with even successful surgeries, what to do about them, how laser therapy can work. So Dr. Klucci, welcome back. Yes, thank you for having me again. It's good to have you. Um, so, you know, you, you've seen a lot of these conditions in your clinic. I know, of course, I have too. But let's just talk a little bit. Uh, you know, when you say per, post-surgical pain, any number of different things might come to mind for a patient. Um, but what kind of conditions are we talking about when, when we say post-surgical pain? What does that, what does that really mean? Uh, post-surgical pain can be anything from pain that patients are experiencing immediately after surgery, uh, once they're starting to wean off of their opioids or once, or any kind of pain medication, or once somebody is starting physical therapy, there's different pain associated with that. Uh, once people are starting to increase activity, there's pain associated with, uh, with that as well. And then there's certain complications that can can happen post-surgically, such as scar tissue problems. Um, some people with scar tissue uh, development, for example, a knee, if somebody has um, excessive amount of scar tissue or they're not attaining the range of motion that they need, then they can go under another procedure that's called a manipulation under anesthesia when too much scar tissue is formed and not proper range of motion is attained. So there's a lot of different types of problems that could occur along with mm -hmm. pain as well. Yeah. And, and, um, of course, depending on the type of surgery that's being done to the, and the patient themselves and their activity level, there's so many factors that go into recovery post-surgery. If we're talking about orthopedic surgeries in particular, um, you know, what, uh, what do you see most commonly with, uh, say a joint replacement? What do you, what do you see patients have the hardest time with? Uh, I would say swelling and inflammation because they're pushed imme almost immediately with physical therapy. And during physical therapy, they want to attain that range of motion um, somewhat quickly so that they can get into strengthening or elongation of the muscles and then slowly strengthening of the muscles. Uh, so I would say that's number, number one is excessive amount of swelling, um, redness, sometimes inflammation, sometimes lack of healing around the incision itself is something that's common. Yeah, I've seen that one also. Um, there's always, of course, risk of infection with any kind of surgery, um, but especially if the tissues are swollen, like you're saying, and there's inflammation there, it really inhibits the body's repair effects and, and the immune system effects on uh, the, the body's efforts to repair that area. Uh, and that just generates even more scar tissue on the long run, assuming it does heal up well. There's a there's a number of uh, of issues with going into physical therapy too early. There's of course issues with not going into physical therapy early enough, and it's definitely a balancing act. Um, have you been able to work with some patients who are doing physical therapy um, at the same time? Yeah. So most people that I see, the most common post surgical case that I've seen is knee replacements. 
And so those patients are usually in some type of physical therapy setting, whether it's home initially and then into outpatient within a week, week and a half. So as soon as they have their physical, they usually already from the get-go have their 21 PT uh, physical therapy treatments already signed up. Um, and so we'll usually work around their physical therapy schedule uh, two to three times a week. So they're getting what they need on the physical therapy end from lengthening and strengthening. And then on our end to help promote healing within within that area or sometimes even areas that they start to compensate in right uh, mm. above the surgical area. So in the thigh and the hip and the low back area, that's very common to see as well. Uh, that's a good point. You know, it's not just the area that was actually operated on, but multiple areas are affected. Of course, if you had a knee replacement, you're going to spend a good bit of time not putting weight directly into that or not utilizing it at full capacity. And that weight has to go somewhere. You have to put pressure on that opposite side. It changes mm-hmm. the way that people walk. And uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely has some associated issues for sure. For sure. How many, how many treatments do you find that you usually need to do uh, of course, we're talking laser treatments here, um, but how many how many laser treatments do you find typically are needed for some of these uh, slow to heal or even just kind of standard uh, post-knee replacement cases? I would say the slow to heal and for the overactive patient, because there's some patients that immediately, okay, I feel better uh, two months post-surgically. I just, I want to go for my walks. I got to get up and down the stairs those are the ones that need a little bit more treatment because they're already becoming too active on those still very uh, tender tissues and very um, overworked tissues from physical therapy on one end and underworked because they just lost their strength post-surgically. So there's kind of a balance between strengthening and healing. So those patients typically need more, I would say anywhere 12 to 15, uh, the patients who do what they're supposed to do with physical therapy and um, keep their activity levels fairly moderate, mild to moderate, I would say um, anywhere from 10 to 12. And then it depends because some patients then they do start to notice compensation in their ankle um, or in their hip or their uh, low back. That's another really common one is uh, sacroiliac pain with, mm. with uh, post-knee surgery. So it just yeah. depends what's go- what's going on with them. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. You know, and and that to some people that may sound like a lot, but you you have to consider you're talking about a replacement in this case. You can only typically have two of those. So if you mess this up, if you mess up your knee replacement right off the get go, you've already you already worked into kind of your your max of what can be done. It's really critical to make sure that knee replacement recovery goes smoothly, goes well, and you come out with very, very good abilities, um, not only to make sure you get the best results out of your surgery that you can, but also to, you know, like you're saying, avoid some of these compensations that can, that can come out of that. Correct. And like I said, most people after knee replacements are already signed up for 21 physical therapy visits. So that's, you know, I, I, I always show them, okay, you have 21 visits that a physical therapist is going to work with you just on uh, the tissue uh, lengthening and strengthening. And we are going to work alongside with that physical therapist on on the healing aspect to make sure that you are properly able to strengthen that area so you can go back to your your activities that you enjoy. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. 
What about, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the real common knee replacements. Um, I will say, you know, knee replacements when done in the right circumstances have very, very high success rates. Um, as far uh, as the literature shows, you know, 90% plus uh, success rates. I will say that a surgical success in, in all cases is defined as about a 30% or greater symptom improvement at the one year mark. So um, in some cases, a what might be defined as a success is still a an operation that may have some residual symptoms. Mm-hmm. And you've probably seen this too, I would guess, but I've seen a few patients who have had the knee replacement done and do have improvement, but not as much as they were hoping. And then mm-hmm. they're kind of lost as far as, well, I did my PT and the surgeon said everything looks fine. What do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've seen a number of those people and that's, I think that goes for hip replacements as well. But for, for those patients, it might be in the chronic stages, you know, maybe they're two years out they've already had, they've already, they're kind of stuck with some level of dysfunction, some level of pain associated with that replaced joint. Have you been able to see some success with those patients? Um, I haven't seen so many of those cases as I have patients who notice that, okay, my one knee has been replaced. Now I'm really realizing that my other knee hurts a lot. So I've actually seen, but I also live um, near a retire community that is very, very active. So they're going back to their pickleball and golfing and, and hiking and everything. So they want both their knees or both their hips to, you know, to feel equal. So, and a lot of people do wait quite some time before they uh, even entertain the idea of getting a, a replacement of any kind, let alone two. And so most people are actually even doing them back to back just to get one and then get the other. So I see more of those um, wow. types of pa- patients. Yeah. Hmm. Well, very important, especially of doing both to have good recovery for sure. You definitely want to come out of that functioning yeah. well. So spinal surgeries are one, you know, low back surgeries in particular, ones where you can see some residual levels of, of nerve damage, nerve irritation, things like that. Patients going in with that kind of classic sciatic pain coming out of surgery, um, oftentimes with still some level of either sciatic pain or, or nerve damage. Um, and that can be frustrating because there's, they've often been told there's not a lot that can be done. Have you worked with any patients who have had kind of residual uh, pain after a spinal surgery? I have. And, and I've even had a patient who ended up having drop foot post-surgically due to uh, trauma during, during the surgery, right? One of the nerves were, were nicked. And then he ended up, he didn't have drop foot prior to surgery. He just had localized, um, low back pain that was due to a compressed nerve and then came out with the, with the drop foot. So being able to slowly rehab a patient back like that, um, definitely takes a little bit longer than somebody who's just having localized pain. Um, or I'll see patients who, are coming in five years after low back surgery and you know, the pain is coming back just the level above or the level below or even the same level, just the other side. So I do also a lot of patient education and explain to them what surgery is and what it isn't right. Surgery is not actually fixing anything. It is just cutting away a portion of a, of the tissue in the disc or the surrounding area that's compressing on the nerve and they're just removing it. So no correction is being made. They're not, necessarily in all circumstances, leveling out the spine or fixing a, you know, compression due to a structural issue. So there's a lot of education that goes in that too, so that patients have proper um, 
understanding and expectations about how they're going to heal after surgery um, or even years after. I think, I think that's so important what you just, that's a great point. You know, the surgery does not fix, does not heal the body. It should get the obstacles out of the way, but then you, you really still do rely on the body's process to heal that up and, and to repair those areas, which I mean, as you know, I think is why laser can be such a great tool because it just accelerates the way the body heals, um, even in that post-surgical environment. Yeah. How about, um, what, what, what should patients be aware of if they're dealing with like some type of post-surgical condition, post-surgical pain, they're wondering what can be done and if laser is a choice for them. Are, are there any people, uh, any patients that really can't, uh, look at laser as an option for a post-surgical condition? No, really, we could see anybody, whether it's been, um, you know, a week after surgery or a year or 10 years after surgery, and people are, are noticing any kind of uh, pain, discomfort, numbness, or tingling, um, or even if they're still a year later, noticing any kind of swelling in and around the area or, or, or even pain. We can help that's, with all those symptoms. That's really good. Uh, I will say that if you've got in hardware that's been put in, whether it's a, a joint replacement or plates and screws or even a spinal fusion, um, there are certain therapies that you just cannot do. Um, vibration plates, uh, ultrasound, therapeutic ultrasound, you, you just cannot utilize those therapy modalities anymore at that point. Um, but laser, because it is non-invasive light, you can use that around any of the hardware, any of the joint replacement pieces with no fear that it's going to damage the stability of those areas or do anything to the, the hardware itself. So we talked, that sounds a good bit about the orthopedic side. Um, what about the abdominal side? Have you worked with any patients with um, post-surgical issues with abdominal surgeries like hysterectomies or appendectomies, things like that? Sure. So I've worked with um, three different types of, uh, more specifically, three different types of conditions. Um, Post-gallbladder surgery, a lot of people still have pain post-gallbladder surgery. Um, so that's one. Um, C-section, right, which is an external incision. And then also post-hysterectomy, which is an internal incision. But all three different types of patients still exhibit pain. Um, and then you have your inguinal or your um, umbilical hernias as well for um, primarily in male patients. So all four patients have had great success post-surgically. And actually all four of those patients who had um, laser therapy. And when people come in, they're usually coming in like a post-C-section, post-hysterectomy. Um, those patients came in within three days of their surgery. Um, I mean, they had a handful of treatment. They only had average four to six treatments and they had very, very quick turnaround. The patient who had the C-section, this was actually her third child and she had to have an emergency C-section. So she's uh, had pregnancies before, just never any C-sections. <clears throat> her friend actually had a C-section two months prior to her. And this patient who had the C-section, we started lasering her three days after her C-section she had um, six laser treatments. After the first laser treatment, she noticed she was able, she didn't need her Motrin anymore. She was so amazed that she could take wow. care of her kids just after, and that's just after one treatment. So after six treatments, um, she 
she compared herself as to 100% back to normal, being able to take care of her newborn and her two other children, whereas to her friend at that time, who had already been several months behind her, was still exhibiting pain and discomfort and still on Motrin. Um, and till this, till this day, she, I mean, it's almost a year now. And to this day, um, she is 100% perfect. That's post C-section. Awesome. Yeah. And we were able to reduce excessive um, scar tissue buildup um, around that site as well. So she had a phenomenal, phenomenal success. She even had friends and family over shortly after. And they're like, how are you running around? She's like, well, I had this amazing laser therapy done. And I was <laughs> able to get back to you know, I didn't have, I was able to nurse my baby without wondering whether the Motrin is going through the breast milk and she was able to, to function at a, at a very high rate. And all these patients too, once they all went for post-surgical checkups, even the males with the hernias, their surgeons are very, very impressed and amazed at the, the rate of healing that they're able to, to attain. Wow. That's so exciting. That's yeah, very really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the numbers are really, really terrible for uh, use of NSAIDs, things like Motrin and uh, ibuprofen in the use of, of post-surgical conditions and pain in general. Um, but estimates are just billions of dollars in cost from the complications of using NSAIDs. Um, there's other issues with that too, long-term organ damage. And, and, and like you were just saying, you know, being concerned about what the baby's getting in the case of a mother who's nursing. So to be able to get somebody off of the, the over-the-counters like that, it, it doesn't sound like much to some people, but that is a big deal. That is so important. Great to be able to have an option like that. So, if, if a patient's looking at um, at doing this, they're hoping you know to be able to get some good relief. Tell us a little bit. How long does a, a treatment like this take? Whether it's for abdominal or orthopedic, you know, how long does the patient have to come in to be in, be in the office for? Um, you know, is this something that insurance will cover? Uh, what What's your experience with the, with those things? So, I would say average treatment time it would be about fifteen minutes, and sometimes it could be six to eight minutes, sometimes could be 10. It just really depends what areas we're, we're taking care of. It depends on level of patient's discomfort and tolerance to laser as well. Um, I would say in terms of insurance, most insurances uh, do cover laser therapy to a certain degree. Medicare is one that is not covering uh, or the secondaries are not covering laser therapy, but patients, once they see the results from somebody else, they're more than they're willing to make the investment because they see the long-term effects. You know, I even recently had a patient that came in and said, you know what, doc, I know I could have gone to my medical doctor with this and I would not have had to pay almost anything. He's like, but I know that he couldn't help me. And I know that you could have helped me with this. Um, and indeed, you know, he came in with some leg pain and it was four treatments and he had full range of motion and felt and felt great. So uh, it was, you know, cost very cost effective in terms of what you're what you're getting that's awesome very good well uh, I know you're there in Illinois why don't you give us your contact info your website so that patients if we got a patient near you that's listening to this right now if they want to know how to find you how can they get a hold of you sure we are in uh, downtown Main Street in um, downtown Galena we're on 310 North Main Street right next to the police station which is a very good location to be in. <laughs> and um, our website is lasergalena.com. Excellent. 
Excellent. Lasergalena.com. Once again, this is Dr. Agnieszka Klucci. And uh, really appreciate you joining us today. Hopefully, this has been um, enlightening for people who may feel like they are out of options with surgical pain or they're worried about uh, upcoming surgeries and what might be going on. Definitely worth getting a look at some laser. Dr. Clucci, thanks again, and uh, we'll be talking again soon. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Subscribe to this weekly podcast for more great information. Find a certified laser therapy clinic near you at lasertherapyinstitute.org. If you're a healthcare provider, check out our practitioner-focused Laser Therapy Institute podcast. Thanks for listening.